This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression. This podcast aims to share it all, from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to new parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are talking relationships in the pregnancy and postpartum period. Our guest today, psychotherapist Kara Hoppe, is going to be talking a little bit about her own experience through postpartum anxiety and depression and how having a new baby changed her marriage and the inspiration to write this book, Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents. She wrote this book along with co-author Dr. Stan Tatkin to help new parents navigate relationship changes that they might not have seen coming. And for any of you who had a major life transition, like welcoming a child into your life, you know that it does change things. But we're, we're not often given a guide on how to manage both during pregnancy and postpartum on how to stay connected as a couple, how to communicate as a couple, and how to grow together as a new family. Kara's going to be talking about some of the principles in the book about secure functioning in the relationship and putting the couple first and how to support and maintain intimacy as a couple. Kara has spent more than a decade as an inclusive therapist working with individuals and couples towards healing and growing and toward becoming grounded, integrated people with better access to their own instincts, wisdom, and creativity. As you listen into our discussion today, I'm sure that there are things that will resonate for you that you'll be able to identify with and also great tips and tricks on how to communicate with your partner if this is something you're just beginning to think about. Welcome, Kara. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, Kat. So nice to be here with you. Thanks. I'm so glad you're here and really excited uh, to have you talk about um, how to help couples navigate through this crazy thing called uh, parenthood and entry into parenthood. <laughs> that's one of those things like, oh, why didn't they tell us about this? So that's kind of what you're going to help people with through your book, Baby Bomb. And I know you've, uh, from talking with you a little bit, you have had your own personal experience in 
perinatal mental health stuff. So maybe we can start there and uh, find out a little bit more about your experience. Sure. Yeah, I think it's so important that we all talk about our experiences, share them, normalize them, destigmatize them. That umbrella of all the things that we don't talk about when it comes to parenthood right. is large. Right. Right. So it's big. So I would say for me personally, I had experience with both a perinatal mood disorders with some anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And then my marriage to my husband also went through a massive transformation, ending up being like a leveling up, but it was quite a journey. <laughs> right. That's a great there. way to encapsulate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to which I didn't expect any of that. I was lucky and I had like a pretty easy pregnancy. I liked being pregnant. And then when we had our son, I I remember about early postpartum, I would start a lot of sentences being a therapist. You, I'm sure you can relate to this guy. <laughs> I would start a lot of th- sentences with, I'm noticing I have a lot of anxiety right now. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would launch into whatever. And I remember thinking like, I'm on high alert and my son's alive. I guess that's how it works. Right. You know, and yeah. like there is like a biology to that, like with mm-hmm. our brains, like literally changing in order right. to keep our babies alive. But for me, it had like a bit more anxiety. And then, and then also like a bit of depression. And mm-hmm. it was something that as a clinician who I've worked with um, couples and individuals for like 10 years at this point, I didn't even notice it, right. that I, I was struggling as much as I was. Yeah. It, and it takes a while, especially if you don't know what to look for, or you don't know that this could be happening. It just, I think you kind of uh, made a nod to it as you were speaking. And it just like, this is, must be how it is. I'm just hyper vigilant and I have a baby. Right. And I'm very like, yeah. And I feel disconnected from my yeah. own self. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that that was like, that's motherhood. And there is, of course, like that, like disconnect from old yeah. self and the grieving yeah. and be, you know, leaving mm-hmm. one stage of life and moving to another stage of life. Yeah. But for me, I was completely out of touch with like what made me happy as myself, as my own human being. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. I have had that feeling and I'm pretty much everybody I talk to anyways, who comes to to therapy for this kind of stuff uh, is coming for some level of that kind of fog and like, what am I doing? And what, who am I? And yeah. 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 My husband actually noticed it. He Mm. was like, had the wherewithal where he kind of, he noticed our marital problems more. I was in more survival mode as like I was doing exclusive breastfeeding and I was mm. healing from the birth that was yeah. traumatic and just like one foot in front of the other. My husband, Charlie kind of noticed that I had changed. And mm. I remember he said to me at some point, like I came downstairs, I just put my son down from a nap and he looked at me and he was like, Hey, you probably need some time to yourself. Why don't you like, I'll take the baby monitor Like, why don't you go and like do something? Right. And it was a really like disorienting moment for me, Kat, because pre-parenthood, I really knew myself. I knew what I liked. I knew Mm -hmm. what I liked to do. I had Mm -hmm. hobbies. I had creative passions. And then like in motherhood, I felt so disconnected from that part of me. 
So I like yeah. literally was like, okay, I have a few hours and I don't have to be a mother and I don't know what I want to do. And it was really alarming and a strange yeah. moment. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if in the, so your, you said your husband noticed the marital difficulties. He noticed your shift. Did, I wonder if you, like, how did you feel when he said, go take a break? Did you feel like guilt or did you feel worried or did, uh, like, sometimes people have a range of feelings of like, well, I'm supposed to do this, or I don't know if he can do it the right way or, you know, any kind of like discomfort with not managing everything. No. I didn't have have that experience, but I, but what was so wild was I didn't even consider not managing everything until that moment. And so like, Mm -hmm. it hadn't even crossed my mind that Mm -hmm. I would be tracking his food, his naps, like my own body and my own, you know, Mm -hmm. checking my breasts. Am I ready to feed? Like, Mm -hmm. like, I hadn't even considered like delegating, Uh, delegating not the right word, but sure. Yeah that re- level of responsibility mm-hmm. with him and mm-hmm. yeah, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And then when he suggested it, it was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> sure. Here's like, that baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's the monitor. The whoosh yeah. Sounds, <laughs> right. you know? yeah. And then it was like, but then like connecting with myself was the discomfort. Totally. That, that was mm-hmm. my discomfort. Like it wasn't discomfort and handing over the monitor. It was like, mm-hmm. who am I? Right. Uh, right. I mean, the, the amount of responsibility and um, attention to detail that you took on without even like fully realizing you had done that, that that's a lot. And in order to do that, you kind of do have to put yourself aside. There's only so much room to take care of a brand new baby and yourself. What a moment. Yeah. So I imagine this example and many others are part of what helped you to realize that you needed some help or a different kind of support anyways, as a couple um, in your relationship and eventually leading you to write this book. What were some of the things in the relationship changes that you noticed? Well, I noticed my own discomfort and how much I needed Charlie. Like Mm -hmm. I remember at one point realizing when Jude was like, I don't know, a couple of weeks old, we were learning breastfeeding. It was challenging. Another thing I didn't know was going to be challenging, right. but challenging. And I remember I got him latched and I was so stoked and he was eating mm-hmm. and like it was working. And then all of a sudden I realized I was really thirsty as it breastfeeding makes you thirsty. And then right. I, I went to get up and I couldn't physically get up to go get myself water. And I, yeah. I asked, and that was like a, a dizzying vulnerability. I need you, Charlie. I need your help. I need your help taking care of my physical body right now. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think, I mean, I hadn't ever needed anybody probably since I was a baby like that. Yeah. Like to like go and get me a glass of water and stuff. So I remember being like, Whoa, I'm going to have to get some sea legs here about like how much we need each other to Mm -hmm. parent our son, how to take care of each other. I need Mm -hmm. his eyes on me Mm -hmm. right now. As I do this motherhood deep dive, I need to be allowed, allowed to be witnessed like that. And that felt like at the time, really, really vulnerable. For sure. Um, Right. And speaking to like the amount of independence, not really needing, just being able to do what you needed to do when you needed to do it. Yeah. Um, Wow. That was hard for me to adjust to. I was really used to being like, peace out. I'm going to do this. I'm going (laughs) to do that. You know, like I got this, I got that like independent Mm -hmm. lady. 
Right. And then it was like, I felt like all of a sudden my life had become a series of committee meetings about like going to the yeah. bathroom, taking <laughs> right. a shower, you know, for everything. Like, yeah. For everything. Yeah. Right. Did your husband talk to you about what it was like for him to, to be needed in a different way? Um, he did. He, I, he is such a lovely, warm hearted, open person. And I, we picked really well with each other, even though we were really struggling postpartum, post baby mm-hmm. bomb, mm-hmm. We picked really well with each other. And he really opened up to the opportunity to lend a hand. No, nice. And he was like, I mean, we had talked before we had Jude that we wanted to parent together. We wanted, I didn't want Jude to grow up watching me do everything. Right. I really like, and Charlie and I like talked about that. And so before Jude was on the scene, we had an agreement that he was going to jump in. And it was really beautiful watching him become a father mm-hmm. and really and jumping in and helping out with Jude and, and helping out with me. That was like my own discomfort, my own growing yeah. edge, mm-hmm. my own practice to receive that gratefully and joyfully. Thanks for getting me the water. I need right. it. Right. And, and, you know, cause it did, it brought up like feelings of guilt or like sure. I sh- should be doing this mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. you know, I was healing, my body was healing. I had a very, I had, I didn't have that perspective of like right. what I wasn't able to see myself and like what I had just been through for until, sure. Right. And yeah. he's seeing me and he's mm-hmm. like attuned, you know, mm-hmm. which I know is very fortunate for both of us, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why we, I wrote the book was to help people with that attunement yeah. because it's an important part of, you know, parenting or partnering after your parents rather. Yeah. But for me, I had to get used to being observed mm-hmm. and like, and that was, like I said, my growing edge cat. Yeah. It wasn't easy for me. Yeah, um, for sure. And he did like say, I mean, like he was more attuned to the marital stuff going on. And he said that I would push him away. Mm-hmm. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would say like, I got this when it was so clear mm-hmm. that I didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was really frustrating to him. He was like, why are you putting roadblocks and walls up? Like, you know, you need help. I want to be the person that helps you. I Mm -hmm. want that intimacy with you. And you're Mm -hmm. like, no way, man. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a tough adjustment, even though, and like to what you were saying before, you guys talked about this, but that I think that speaks to how difficult it is in the postpartum period with the fogginess you feel and the exhaustion that you feel and even with the best laid out plans, you were describing, you know, your, your husband kind of sees stuff from not from the outside specifically, but outside of your kind of physiological mental experience. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I find that for folks in the postpartum period, everything's bec- becomes very like microscopic. You see what's in yes. front of you and it's huge. And uh, so the, having that bigger picture of like, Oh, what's going on? Why do things feel this way? Oh yeah. I'm healing all of those things kind of go to the wayside and you're just like trying to get through the day um, or that moment or whatever the next challenge is. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, 
why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So I I know in your book you have laid out some of these like what how to check in before and what to do to check in before and then how to stay connected afterwards. You know, I'd love to hear more about um, the book here in just a minute. I think your personal experience, knowing what you know, brings such a richness, the book and being able to have that lived experience and kind of know what, what worked or what didn't. And and then having, of course, the like psychotherapy perspective about uh, how people work and all that good stuff. So yeah, that postpartum period is really hard to get perspective on when you're in it. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I've been thinking about that phenomenon a lot lately Mm -hmm. about the micro just when life is right in front of your face. (laughs) That is is like early parenthood. And but and then but how helpful it is to get the macro to to pull back get the perspective sure. about like nobody is dying if there isn't a nap. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, if this latch doesn't work right now, like it's okay to pause and mm-hmm. start again, like all of this stuff, mm-hmm. like getting that macro is so important, getting reconnected to like the values For that sure. we have, you know, like Charlie and I had, and like the couples that I work with in practice or in, the couples retreat have mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. reconnect with that, to find their North star again, to kind yeah. of like hold them during those moments so they can toggle between mm-hmm. the, the, the relentlessness, the everything that happens, like, you know, your baby is crying. They need you. You okay. want to be there. Right. Of course. And then also pulling back to, you know, to the macro of like, how else can we do this, like bringing in the creativity, the perspective, sure. right? I'm not the first mother on the planet to be struggling, <laughs> right. you know, mm-hmm, and I won't mm-hmm. be the last. Uh-huh. You know? Unfortunately, unfortunately, at the same time, yeah, it is so hard to pull all of that in. And it's why it's nice to have a good supportive group of people around you to help with, with that perspective. Cause it's not like your fault that you can't see it. You're just physiologically in a zone and there it's really hard to, like be self-reflective and, you know, 
all of that stuff when you're just trying to make sure your kid eats enough or, you know, there's not poop everywhere or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot, to, a newness as well, a lot of newness to take, take in and incorporate into your, to your life. Mm-hmm. So in your, in your, well, maybe we can, uh, I'll, I'll start in a different way. What uh, like occurred to you that you felt like I need to put like write a book about this and help help couples. How did that manifest? Thanks for asking that question. I think about this. I had to call back to that moment a lot when I was sure. writing the book it was so difficult. I actually finished the last four chapters during the pandemic at the Ooh, beginning of yep. the pandemic last yep. year. Mm-hmm. So I had to call in like spiritually, why am I doing this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, uh-huh. But it was like, you know, I am a couple therapist. That mm-hmm. is my jam. I love mm-hmm. helping couples. I like to get in there and understand the system. Like I want to help couples identify their strength. I want to help couples identify like where they're growing edges, where they want to mm-hmm. ha- go to what's working and what's not working. I find couples work like deeply rewarding. And so, but I wasn't, I mean, before I had Jude, I wasn't a parent. I worked with so many parents and so much what would come up in the, in the clinical work mm-hmm. was childcare or like parenting yeah. rather. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Disagreements about the right way and the mm-hmm. wrong way to parent. Should we mm-hmm. co-sleep? Should we not? Like, what right. are we going to do about solids? Like all of the right. things, you know, yeah. like nanny versus daycare versus stay at home parent, mm-hmm. like all of these like ongoing conversations that. When I was working with couples, I was able to help them, but not from the lived experience of actually being a parent, Mm -hmm. partnered, trying to navigate that and how things can become so heated Mm -hmm. and like there, you know, and so then once I became a parent, I was like, wow, like (laughs) this is a thing. Right. For sure. Charlie and I are struggling and we were really solid. I'm a sure. couple therapist cat. Yeah. I yep. don't know how to manage my marriage right now. My right. husband's telling me like, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm concerned about us. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, did that <laughs> right. <be> coming? Right. <laughs> so, like, so then as we were like in this process, I pulled in like everything I knew from couple therapy and like Charlie and I would talk about it. And I felt like we were in this process of clawing our way back to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And finding intimacy, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, being right. inclusive, decision making with each other, looking at each other from the macro for the long haul. Mm. Like we want to like, you know, have this marriage intact on the other right. side of this. Right. We yeah. have big goal, bigger goal, right? <laughs> bigger goal. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then um, Stan Tacken is a really good friend of mine. I trained with him for years and he's a, a dear friend. And I went. Charlie and I, Jude, went over to him and Tracy, his wife's house for dinner. When Jude was young, he wasn't even a year yet. And I had this very authentic moment where I just looked at Stan all of a sudden and was like, Stan, my, like Charlie and I like have been going through it. Like, this is a thing. I think we could help people. We should mm-hmm. write a book about this. Like, let's bring your concept of secure functioning where two partners are like taking care of each other sharing their hopes and fears with each other, working together that so everyone's needs are getting met. Mm, mm-hmm. Let's take that and like apply it to expecting couples and parents really of all age children. It like right. this stuff sure. doesn't go out of style. I mean, personally, I'm still working always. To oh, be, for like, sure. It's 
partner. Constant. It's constant, especially because to your point, it's every, every different phase of a, a child's growth also means you have to rearrange stuff in your relationship to accommodate or, or uh, you know, uh, work on new stuff and, and how to work through different kinds of uh, problems. I mean, you know, like birth and postpartum is a transition as so is let's say like puberty. I mean, those kinds of things that you are, you can use. I mean, uh, uh, having seen of your book, they are things that you can use at whatever transitional space. But I mean, no, your book is specifically like very clear and and great for postpartum, but like the concepts of being able to kind of check in with each other and have clear communication and get care, have compassion. Yeah. Like how to foster intimacy with your partner as you're going through like any, I mean, as you're living life. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that that, yeah, is timeless. Yeah, I've shared my book. I mean, like I have couples that aren't parents, have no plans to be parents reading my book. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is great. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> We're learning so much. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is cool. You know? For sure. Yeah, really anything that helps. Because <laughs> it's tough. It's, I mean, it's very specifically going from no children to having children is a huge major life change. And they're just... Yeah. There's no way to know what it's going to be like until you're in it, but being able to have something to reference like, okay, so how do we, like, how do we get through this? What do we do is awesome because if you're feeling lost and you don't know what to do, it's so much harder. Right. And if you're feeling lost, that's completely natural. Yeah. You're in the wilderness, probably (laughs) can't find your partner or like (laughs) in the dark like finding your way, you know, I mean, I think that that's like very normal that experience, Mm -hmm. you know, you have two different people becoming parents at the same time where both of them don't know what they're doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly vulnerable becoming a mother becoming a father, and you're witnessing each other. So there's like, there's a lot of opportunities for misattunement Mm -hmm. and hurt. Yeah, no, that's not how you do that. You know, or like, you know, there's just, there's a lot of opportunities for things to go. I don't know. I don't want to, cause the thing is that I'm pausing. Cause I'm like, I don't want to pathologize it because I actually like, I really like hold all of this in a very tender way that yeah. I think even when Charlie and I or couples I work with, they get in a crunchy moment where yes, there's like a, you don't do it right, you Mm -hmm. know, and that can be really hurtful and like shut somebody down. And then they don't want to help the other person. And it like ripples out like that. Mm -hmm. Like that happens. Yeah. I think that the most important part is the repair. How do you come back together? And the cool thing is, is, you know, this as a clinician, you can teach repair. For sure. Mm -hmm. You can teach, you know, your couples, you can teach yourself how to come back to each other at Mm -hmm. any moment when you need to. So it's not the ruptures, the ruptures Mm -hmm. should be expected, especially at a time in early parenthood, where you're sleep deprived, Mm -hmm. possibly, you know, one or both couples has a perinatal mood disorder, you know, a lot of dads struggle with Mm -hmm. um, depression and anxiety after becoming parents too. So you can have both partners going through it. So like ruptures happen. But like, yeah, what do you do next? How do you come back together? Uh, Absolutely. So you talk about secure functioning in the book. Is this part of that? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So secure functioning is this idea that it's from attachment theory about Mm -hmm. how you can offer 
your partner and your partner can offer you basically security, trust, Mm -hmm. safety, and security. Mm -hmm. And by doing that for each other, then you guys are free to go out and explore yourselves and the world, knowing that you have that, you know, like John Bowlby would say that secure base to come Mm -hmm. back to you. We do it as parents, both parents are off trying to offer their child secure attachment, knowing that their child, like communicating to their child in verbal and nonverbal ways, you're safe with me, right? Your needs are important to me, your wants are important to me. When Mm -hmm. I mess up, I'm going to keep coming towards you till I get it right. Yeah, we see that like, you know, we do that somewhat naturally as parents, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like a growing edge to that, of course. But and then but I think what a lot of people don't realize is how important it is for partners to do that to each other. And like all the goodness that can come from that sense of security with each other, like knowing that this person, you know, that you picked, right? <laughs> you know, like it didn't mm-hmm. happen to you and mm-hmm. they didn't, you didn't happen to them. You guys mm-hmm. picked each other. Mm-hmm. You guys can provide each other this like very deep bond in all of its awkwardness and its crunchiness and mm-hmm. its tenderness of, you know, that ongoing dance of partnering for life, life partnering long term. Sure. It's, a, it's a long road. You uh, know? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, as, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about your example of um, needing water and the vulnerability that came with that and kind of yeah. having to see, like, almost feel it out in real time or reflect on it in real time or whatever, maybe afterwards, if you felt safe and if you were responded to the way you needed And I could see how if it was like, well, I'm busy or I can't get you water right now. I'm doing X, Y, or Z, how that could feel not secure. And it would build potentially, unless there's like a really good reason, uh, build in like the seeds of resentment um, and disconnection. Definitely. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would work both ways. Like if I would have said to Charlie, like I need some water and he would have said like, okay, but you know, in like 15 minutes or like, or just Mm -hmm. said like, well, you could get your own water or just, you know, not like met me. Mm -hmm. That would have made me withdraw a bit Mm -hmm. from him. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. feel so safe with him anymore. And it would go the other way too. If Mm -hmm. I would say like, no, um, you know what? That's okay. I'll get my own water when I'm done doing this. That's a little bit of a, I need your help, but I'm going to push you away. Right. Right, right. And like, that would be confusing. And that could also lead to a disconnect. Like, and these are like such like yeah. micro moments. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you, you cannot know? attend to every single one. Can't. I, I think we're, um, I don't know if, if, if you would agree, but it's like, can you have a, a more secure connection moments than the others? It's like a, you know, let's try and have more of those and less of the other, other ones. Cause like you said before, there's going to be misunderstandings and missteps and that moment you're describing uh, in terms of the repair that you're mentioning would be like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I I, like should have just got you that water earlier. I don't know what I was thinking. Like that could be repaired to your point. That should be repaired. Yes, it can (laughs) be repaired. You know, and then there's yeah. that coming back because I mean, we're human beings. We're like, we make mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. It's unreasonable to think that we're not going to, right. you know? And so, yes, like coming back and being like, you know, I didn't feel good about that. I kind of blew you off when you asked mm-hmm. me for water. Mm-hmm. 
how did that hurt your feelings? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, There's like less, opening yeah. up like, you know, to that, or it could have been like, if I would have said like, no, I'm cool. When clearly I wasn't, right. you know, I would yeah. have to come back myself and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. I wasn't cool. I needed your help. And I pushed you away. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right. Please Ooh, keep like that. an agreement to almost like an agreement to work on it. I know you talk about putting the couple first also in the book. And can you speak a little bit more to that, especially for, for people who are so used to like everything changes when the baby comes and the sole focus is the baby. Why is putting the couple first so important? Well, it really goes back to that idea of having safety and security in your relationship with your partner. I don't think a lot of times it's intentional, like for, for folks to put their partnership on the back burner. I think especially when life is like right up in your face, like we were talking about, we don't have access to the macro. Like, why am I doing this in the first place with this person? Mm -hmm. It just becomes (laughs) like, you know, like nap, nap to nap, feeding to feeding, Uh you know, and stuff. So I think that it's a very like easy thing that happens to people and the reason why we had the first guiding principle the couple comes first it's really about that couple relationship coming first that you want to keep you want I want to help partners who want this of course not everybody does and that's okay but who partners who want to have agreements with their with each other where they're offering each other safety security care mm-hmm mutually, I'm not talking about like one person giving all and the other person taking it, that would not be secure functioning, right? It has to be both partners jumping in feet first into the deep end. Like Mm -hmm. I got your back, you're my ride or die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to see this through with you because I pick you. I mean, like Mm -hmm. all of those ideas are part of like putting the couple first. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is like when partners, and I mean, sure, you know about this, like as a clinician too, when partners are taking care of each other, that frees your baby or your child up to be a baby or a child. Right. They don't have to worry about, you know, mom and mom and, or dad and dad or mom and dad, mom and dad or whatever combination of partners are taking care of each other. So I'm just going to like live my life and be a baby. I'm going to like, <laughs> right. you know, right. I'm not, I'm not like going to get like pulled in. Mm-hmm. Like in what happens in like, you know, we see, I think in like a lot of, I don't want to speak for you, but I see a lot in my clinical work, you know, the system pulling children in to take care of mom or dad's emotional needs because Mm -hmm. the partners aren't taking care of each other's emotional needs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this just comes from like, it just, I don't know. I think it comes from people just don't know how, right. They just don't know how they don't know that it's a possibility to mm-hmm. like rearrange your system in this way. Mm-hmm. And that like by rearranging your system so that like I'm taking care of my husband, my husband's taking care of me. me and we have to like negotiate that on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and be very fluid, not rigid about it, mm-hmm. about like what it means. And like our kid is a kid. And right. I just don't think that's like um, a thing. Like I didn't see that growing up personally. Sure, right. Yes. At all. I did not um, see my parents taking care of each other's needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like filling in the gaps. That's why I yeah. became a therapist. That's why I wrote this book. Is that why we all become therapists? <laughs> like, I don't I know. Like, Maybe it's a stretch. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. 
But yeah, no, exactly. Like, and I just want to clarify for the the people listening who are like non clinicians that when you're talking about the system, you're talking about the how the family works as a system. Um, yeah, exactly. sometimes like system also gets confused for like the system, like CPS or medical care or like you know those kinds of things. So we're talking about how the family functions with each other in that system. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or in how the couple functions with each other in that system. Right. And then how that system impacts your child. Mm -hmm. You know, children Mm -hmm. can pick up when their parents aren't getting along. For sure. And it scares them. Mm -hmm. They immediately like, you know, Mm -hmm. wonder about their, because their whole world is us. Right. Right. So if they think that like you guys aren't getting along or me and Charlie aren't getting along, they're going to try to figure that out and try to Mm -hmm. mitigate that because they want things to be safe. Yep. So it's really like the whole idea, even though it sounds like backwards about putting the couple first is like, in some ways, like you're not taking care of the baby. It's actually the opposite mm-hmm. by like taking care of each other. You're offering that your child a huge sense of security and safety mm-hmm. and care yeah. from both people. And also you're modeling for your kid, how your kid wants to be treated. Like mm-hmm. your, your kids watching you two and being like, oh, yeah. so this is how relationships work. Mm-hmm. People listen, mm-hmm. listen to each other. They care about what each other is saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say they're sorry. Like, right. oh, well, I want to, you know, like assuming like you want your child to grow into the world and be like a good citizen and mm-hmm. like care about other people, care about themselves, mm-hmm. you know, be like, you know, naturally leaning towards relationships, Yep. Va- valuing relationships. Then you and your partner get to learn how to do that. And then that, you know, by doing mm-hmm. that, you teach your kid. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's work. Work. For sure. Yes. It, and unfortunately, like, you know, for, I think for us kind of on the, the clinical end, we know that it can get better and we see people heal and couples heal and, and things feel better, but it, it's when you're in it and maybe you don't have a skill set, like a, a therapy type skill set, or you've never been to therapy, it can be hard to imagine that whatever funk you guys are in can be fixable because there might be some impasses or things that just feel impossible to work through. But with your book, you're really giving some steps on how to work through those things and how to stay connected. Um, and, you know, books and their plug for therapy, because, Hey, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it does, it does help. And um, just based on how you talk about things like, and, uh, you and your book come from a compassionate stance. You want couples to be together if that's what they want to be and ultimately help to keep the family healthy. Yeah. I want to empower partners to co-create mm-hmm. whatever kind of life they want as two equal participants with sharing of equal power with each other. And frankly, like I did not know how to do that myself. I like boots on the ground, had to learn it. I mean, of course I learned things about in training to be a couple therapist, Mm -hmm. but like literally boots on the ground, practicing it with my husband and then helping couples with it, you know, in my clinical work. And then I also treat retreats based on the book, um, helping couples there. But I guess what I want to say is like, yes, and you can learn to do this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a skill set that most people know. And that's the only reason why people don't know how to do it because nobody's taught them, but like it can be taught. Uh, You and your partner can teach each other Mm -hmm. what works for you guys. Not even like what I'm saying, 
who mm-hmm. cares about me? Like in the book, <laughs> I have this, I, I have this whole thing section on like insiders and outsiders. Like yeah. you two are the insiders here. Like take mm-hmm. what you want from what I say, discuss mm-hmm. it amongst yourselves and decide like what works for you guys mm-hmm. for now. Knowing right. it's like, right. m- knowing it's like a, a live relationship <laughs> that can always be revisited and refined and changed. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me now. This works for me mm-hmm. now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there has to be like a lot of flexibility and space there. And that's why the secure functioning really helps having that mm-hmm. sense of safety and security, like is a soft landing pad for you guys to just do anything you want together and create whatever you want together. Yeah, for sure. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I mean, you, you go over quite a bit of information and topics in the book. And one that I want to specifically touch on before um, our time runs out is you do have a chapter in talking about the sexual relationship and keeping intimacy alive through all of this. And I know very specifically from postpartum uh, folks who are maybe the primary caregiver being touched all the time and then needing time where you're just absolutely not touched is a very real part of this transition. And that does affect uh, connection in the couple. Can you talk a little bit more about that and like how to navigate staying connected? Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. It's so important Mm -hmm. Yeah, because being overtouched as a primary caregiver is real, is very real. 
but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a specific kind of touch. Also, it's a mm-hmm. giving and it's a generosity. It's a sharing mm-hmm. of my body. It's a sharing of my space. It's a sharing of like my time. My time is not my own. You cry. Yeah. I'm there for you. Right. Like it, it's very specific kind of it like one sided, mm-hmm. you know, I think about like in a generosity scale, like, <laughs> it's like uh-huh. there's so much yeah. generosity on the yep. side of the primary mm-hmm. and that, and the baby is not, I mean, like there is a bit of like co-regulation that of course happens like with parents and babies, but the baby's not saying like, thanks so much, mom. <laughs> right. Thanks for like getting right. up and feeding me again. Mm-hmm. Thanks for mm-hmm. like holding me and ca- holding mm-hmm. me during my entire nap. You know, right. th- you're not getting any of that reinforcement. So it, it kind of adds more to the generosity. Yeah. So I think what can really help with that is if partners like a non-primary is aware of that Mm -hmm. and can say, so this is like, obviously for like non-birthing partners, like I see you caring for a child and you do X, Y, and Z so well, Mm -hmm. like nobody wants their hard work to be unnoticed. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think like noticing the primary's hard work can go a long way in terms of just being seen and Mm -hmm. valued. Mm-hmm. for that generosity. And then also offering up touch where there isn't anything wanted back. Like, may I hold you and watch a show with you? Right. I just, can I rub your back? Can I pour a bath for you? Mm-hmm. Like all of these ways where like the non-primary par- par- parent or the non-birthing parent is like offering up care to help like with any overtouch. Right. And know that like by doing that, like if we use the idea of secure functioning, but that partner in making that investment, it does come back to them because that right. other, the, right. you know, the overtouched parent is like, oh, I'm seen, I'm mm-hmm. valued, mm-hmm. I'm cared for. This person mm-hmm. doesn't just want something more for me. Right. And it can be so subtle, Kat. Like it, it doesn't have to be these grand gestures. Right. Just like, can I hold you? can end up with like an overtouched parent sharing about the overtouch. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to it. I mean, that is intimacy right there. Right, right. Absolutely. So, in, the, in the communication. Yeah, exactly. In the communication. And then like, I think like any physical contact count, you know, like hugging, grabbing your partner's face. I love you, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like, you know, just, you know, going in a squeeze and leaving all mm-hmm. of that starts to help like a primary, I think, get more in touch with themselves as, as a person, as a sexual being again, because mm-hmm. that just becomes so disconnected in motherhood, right. you know? I don't, yeah. Yeah. Right. We, uh, in part, I mean, there's so many things getting in the way uh, of, of everything, just the exhaustion or sure is part of it. Um, you know, just needing to sleep and, uh, for a lot of couples anyways, I, I'm pretty sure that like bedtime is associated with sex time or like some kind of intimacy that's not necessary. I mean, when there's a baby around or kids around, it tends to be anyways for couples with no kids, it's whenever. But um, yeah, so I mean, by the time people are winding down to go to sleep and all the things have been checked off the list of, of what to do, that's not often the time like Mm -hmm. rest needs to happen and restoration needs to happen. And like understanding the ebb and flow of that, like just because, you know, birthing person is not really ready to be like sexually intimate. There might be other ways of closeness and intimacy that are available. And it, it doesn't necessarily, it's just so complex because it, you know, 
when it's not discussed, then other partners feel rejected and then they pull away and oh, it just, it, it can get really difficult fairly quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you're going into an explanation that people can really think about and understand and reflect and use in their, in their relationship. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I mm-hmm. really want to help people. It is such a journey, you right. know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's so natural to feel rejected. Like mm-hmm. there's not, there's no taboo about the feeling, right. You know, it would be the act, like the behavior. Mm-hmm. If I feel rejected and so I'm going to act out and I'm going to pull away when you need water right. or like something like that, rather than like, you know, to any listeners, if you're feeling rejected, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You lost your part. You've lost that intimacy with your partner. We talk about it in the book is like a winter, mm-hmm. like your relationship is in like a winter. And I, and you yeah. know, and both partners don't necessarily know how to bring about spring again, even right. with like the best intentions, you know, and it, it's such a, like a tender time. And so mm-hmm. it's a time for these like awkward conversations. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like I, I love how you're parenting. I, w- I don't want to change anything about this. I just want to keep our relationship clean. I'm feeling rejected and I'm missing you. Mm. And I just want you to know that. Fantastic. I mean, like anybody who's listening is like furiously writing down notes like that, <laughs> how to say that <laughs> exactly the same way. I mean, it's a beautiful approach. It's acknowledging the connection and it's acknowledging that you're not there to like bash someone over the head and there's something amiss. There's mm-hmm. something off. And that's, that's like taking care of each other, taking care of the relationship and bringing it up that way. Not like, oh, I don't you touch me anymore like that. You know, obviously people are going to like talk like that sometimes because mm-hmm. human, but like to have real examples, like you've given about how to say it and how to form that sentence, I think is super beneficial to people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I just want to help that I wrote this book. It's very mm-hmm. thin. Mm-hmm. Like no words are wasted. I know the resources <laughs> are very low in early parenthood. And mm-hmm. I like suggest for couples, like you buy two copies of the book. Mm-hmm. Like don't just like have, this is not meant to be another book on mom's to-do list, fix marriage. Mm-hmm. Like this book was written inclusively for both partners to mm-hmm. learn how to do this together and to bring mm-hmm. both of their brains and their creativity mm-hmm. and their ideas mm-hmm. and their attachment styles and their nervous systems <laughs> and have all the language for it. And like mm-hmm. really talk about it with each other about like, how can we do mm-hmm. this? That's the mm-hmm. difference of secure functioning. It's not like, how can I make this work? It's how can we make this work? How can mm-hmm. we bring about spring? You know, like what would work for you? What would work for me? Let's find a way to make this happen for us. Like Mm -hmm. that inclusive language, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it might be also like a mom listening might hear like her partner might say to her, like in the most beautiful way, I feel rejected. I just miss you. And you might not feel that way. You might not feel like connected to your sexuality Mm -hmm. or or your desire or wanting pleasure and you might not miss it. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. That's Mm -hmm. not to say you're not going to experience spring again. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just like in that moment, but like what your partner did was plant a seed for something to grow. Mm -hmm. Like you can just be with that and think and say like, thanks for telling me. Mm -hmm. It's important for me to hear that. I Mm -hmm. forgot I used to like sex. Oh, like I forgot there used to be. Oh, right. I forgot there used to be a way I had fun. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So thanks for bringing attention. Uh-huh. Let me be with that. You know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's really good. 
You mentioned before that you have a couples retreat. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I do. I always, when I was writing Baby Bomb, a survival guide for new parents, I always wanted it to be teachable. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help part walk couples partners through this journey, whether they were expecting new parents or children of all ages to work towards secure functioning. And the book is really helpful. Obviously, like I think it's like has exercises and tons of case examples. And hopefully Mm -hmm. all of your listeners can see themselves in some way in the different partners that are talked about in the book. But also, yeah, I'm going to be teaching virtual um, couples retreats. Um, they're five weeks long on some Saturdays in the morning. You can learn more about it at karahoppy.com. Anyone who's interested about really just doing a deep dive with me and your partner on learning how to repair your partnership or learning more intimacy, mm-hmm. mining your partnership for intimacy, or if you're expecting really wanting to um, solidify things before you before you have that baby bomb. into your into your your life and your partnership is this like a class format or is it one couple with you no it's an it's an intimate group of couples interactive we're going to have q a's we're going to have experiential learning and then i'm going to teach you five of the different principles and make sure all the couples are like walking away from the retreats with skills about how do i find like win-wins with my partners in terms Mm -hmm. of like navigating conflict or how do I make decisions inclusively? I mean, that's such a big thing for parents, how to do that on a day-to-day basis. So both partners feel included in it and how to even make like agreements with your partner about going to the macro. How to identify Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what you guys value as a couple, like what's important to you guys, what makes you, you guys, you know? So I I walk all of the couple's like through that process, that journey for five weeks. Awesome. That sounds really helpful. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, again, to the points that you've been making throughout this, it uh, sounds like anybody could really benefit from these skills. We're, we're not taught how to be parents specifically. And we're also not often taught how to be couples unless you have like some stellar unicorn magical example of uh, how to function as a couple. It's a work in progress and this kind of help um, giving people something to hold on to that they can both refer back to, like have yeah. a common understanding and, and have a set of tools is just, it changes so much. Like you were just saying too, cause it like, you can call back to those moments. It doesn't have to be about necessarily like feelings. Like for example, like the water, let's call, we'll go back to the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Charlie and I have an agreement. We have an agreement between the two of us that we made as like consenting adults that we take care of each other. Mm-hmm. So part of taking care of each other is receiving care and offering care. Mm-hmm. So if I would have refused the water, like I could say like, I wasn't holding true to my agreement with you. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Like it can be about the agreement. It doesn't right, have right, to necessarily right. be, I mean, and that's like, there's a lot of power in that because then it does it. You can clean it up faster. You, for sure. we, we agreed that you would care for me and you blew me off when I needed water. Like mm-hmm. what's up with that, man? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. and then it's like, oh yes, you're right. I agreed to it. It's a specific thing uh-huh. that we said uh-huh. we would do to each other. So you're not calling anyone a jerk right. or anything like right. that. You're saying like, you messed up on the agreement. And mm-hmm. like, I'm going to hold us both to the agreements we make with each other. 
So it's a yeah. powerful skill mm-hmm. that, yeah, I had to learn as a couple therapist because nobody <laughs> taught me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's that's great. These are so just tangible and useful. And I think sometimes too, so simple in a way mm-hmm. that it escapes our just like, oh yeah, we can just do that. Um, it doesn't have to be complex and complicated. Um, the feelings might be complex and complicated, but the, the communication can be a little bit more tidy and straightforward. I love that. Cause then also think about an early parenthood. You need like tidy, straightforward communication. There mm-hmm. isn't a lot of resources to go into a deep dive about like <laughs> you and like everything you've always done. You yeah. know, you yeah. like you guys can find ways and like, and I want to help people because like I said, keep saying this again and again and again, like I did not know how to do this. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. husband did not know how to right. do this. Right. We literally, yeah. all it took was education and good intentions and like mm-hmm. a generous heart for us messing up. Sure. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, is so good. And again, like very, like bringing it down to the, to the core of what you, what you can hold on to when you're communicating. Oh, that's good. So for those couples out there who are super struggling and who yes. don't feel like this is possible or, or whatnot, what have you seen? What would you say to, to those folks? How can we help them feel like they have hope? I mean, I have seen in my clinical work, like just massive transformations when partners can have a, get support and better understanding themselves and why they do the things that they do that gets in the way mm-hmm. of receiving care or offering care or doing any of like the kind of secure functioning principles, they can take responsibility mm-hmm. for themselves and and they can change that awareness is like the key and we can teach couples like that awareness Mm -hmm. like why do you think you pushed your partner away Mm -hmm. like they probably didn't even realize they did oh sure right yeah it might be so so automatic exactly because if you weren't offered secure attachment as a child Mm -hmm. like being that needy is going to be very scary for you yeah you know, yeah. it's going to mm-hmm. bring up like alarm bells that are going to be like in your implicit memory. And we talk about this in the book and make mm-hmm. it as simple as understanding as possible. And right. so like understanding yourself, your own alarm bells, like mm-hmm. what happens to you when you're needy or what happens to you when your partner's needy right. can be like a game changer. Totally. No, as you're talking about it, I mean, I know as a therapist and clinician that in when you're doing the work with a therapist, it's a non-judgmental environment. Not a lot of people know that about therapy who haven't been in therapy before. Some of the ways in which I think people don't, reasons people don't want to go to therapy is because it is vulnerable and, you know, you, you could, if you're used to being judged, you could be fear that it's just going to be another place and another way that you're going to be made to feel bad. So I, I just, in all of the things that you're describing, I know that this is all done non-judgmentally in, mm-hmm. in these therapeutic settings. And just, and that is so clear in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. also, uh, for those couples out there who are like, not sure how this could help and are worried about the judgment. And just, I know that, that that is how you work and that that's how all of us therapists work. So like taking that judgments part out of the way can, and the fear of judgment can like help people get to therapy. Yeah. 
I think what you're talking about is having like partners be non-judgmental towards each other and creating that safe space where like create a like creating that safe like working space where they can practice mm-hmm. being different with each other yeah and that's like yeah and I, I feel like such tenderness in my body about everybody struggling with their partnership mm-hmm. I mean Michelle Obama in <laughs> the book Becoming has a moment where she had to like contend with who she picked as a partner sure. and she had to repick him again mm. I and or she decided to mm-hmm. repick him again. She, of course, mm-hmm. didn't have to. Nobody has to do anything, mm-hmm. you know, but she decided to repick Barack again. And I love it that she put that in the book because it really normalizes that experience that happens a lot of time in the parenthood initiation and in partnership mm-hmm. where you get to pick your partner again. Yeah. And like say, like, yeah, it's you, it's me. Mm-hmm. And like enter it, like create that base of acceptance by reinvesting and in the relationship again, maybe letting Mm -hmm. your old relationship and the patterns that went with it Mm -hmm. die, Mm -hmm. let them go and, Mm -hmm. and create new patterns. And of course, this is not like an overnight thing. This is a journey. Yeah. Yep. You know, that couple therapy could help. Hopefully my book is helpful. The retreats might be helpful. Just talking with your partner after listening to this podcast and like maybe Mm -hmm. proposing an idea. I would like us to be closer. What do you Mm -hmm. think? You know, I really I love, love y- you. I'm glad I picked you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard for me to be with you. I mean, all of mm-hmm. this is like really real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, sure. and just starting any kind of com- like conversation about like, I want something different together. I want something mm-hmm. that I didn't see growing up that you didn't mm-hmm. see growing up. Mm-hmm. Let's do something like radical, mm-hmm. like together. Let's- yeah blaze our own path let's be pioneers let's <laughs> you know change mm-hmm. it up and like let's figure out what that means to us awesome thank you so much for all of this goodness mm-hmm. things that you know even from folks listening to to this conversation today can take into their day today if they want or need to it's so useful and the book is awesome And I just thank you so much for being here today and sharing with us your experience and your passion and your hope for couples. Aw, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Kara, for being with us. Those of you who are out there listening, if you would like to learn more about Kara's work, the book, or her workshops, you can go to karahoppy.com or find her on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can also connect with Dr. Stan Tatkin on Instagram and Facebook. We truly hope this has brought you some enlightenment, something to think about, and something that's usable in your day-to-day life. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.